Warning, this podcast contains adult themes. Last night, a DJ took my life. The confession of a DJ, producer, serial killer. Episode 3. taxi driver leans out the window, about to shout something at the police as they indiscriminately wave people to the side of the road for checks. I'm praying he tells them to let us past, but they keep waving us in. This is the end for me. We're a few feet away from the police, and one of them waves us down. Just then, a moped comes up fast on our inside, and the police who were just looking at us now signal to the other police to get the guy on the moped and pull him over. My taxi driver says something underneath his breath and puts his foot down, turning away from the blockade and onto the roundabout. I let out a huge sigh of relief, and the driver looks at me in the rearview mirror and laughs. I say, I was going to be late for my flight, and we both laugh. Fuck, that was close. Everything else goes to plan. I'm on the BA flight back to London, waiting to take off. My wife is picking me up at Gatwick. I can relax. Berlin, 2009. Back in Berlin, I was in two minds for the next few days. Buzzing that I'd finally done what I wanted to do for years. But fully aware that it was a fucking stupid thing to do in the way that I did it. Before the kill, I'd always thought murderers who got caught were witless and idiotic. Something else that cropped up post-kill was a feeling that I wanted to share my experience with somebody. I've been happy getting on my own in every aspect of my life. Now I felt like I've succeeded in a goal and I can't even tell anyone. Felt a bit shit to be honest. I decided not to do my usual, get pissed and high to make myself feel better. I had to get myself to a point where I wasn't reliant on substances to get me through my set. Once I can perform sober, I can start thinking about attempting to kill someone again. I tried to give myself a little while off the booze. I still smoked weed, of course. I didn't feel like that was a problem. Time off the drink lasted two whole days. I didn't have a gig for a couple weeks after the Istanbul show. It was time I had booked in to do some studio work, but just ended up me in bed smoking tons of weed eating shite and calling up different girls to come over. It had to be different girls. No one came back twice because of the state the flat was in. And the state I was in. Their judgmental attitude really fucked me off though. They're the ones who responded to a text from a bloke they met once at a rave and they looked at me like I'm gross. Fuck them. I know that clearly I wasn't at my best. I knew that at the time as well. But I was extra horny after the kill in Istanbul. I'd been watching porn for a few hours every day when I woke up and right before I went to sleep. I had a favourite girl that I revisited. I had to find someone like her for my next kill. She had black hair, was thin with pale skin. I knew that finding a girl like that wouldn't be a struggle in Berlin, but I didn't want to hunt so close to home. Joachim, another DJ, came over to pull me out of my flat to a party after a week of stewing in my own filth. I was only thinking about the kill the week before and only wanting to talk about it. 
obviously I wasn't gonna I wanted to wait till the weird come down I was on had waned off a little bit but Joakim was persistent and he had drugs he always had drugs it made up for his lack of musical talent he force fed me a bomb of MDMA washed down with cheap vodka and Fanta I'd have to wait a little while before I delved into the healthy lifestyle I didn't have the will for it in that moment the party we went to was unusually far away Joakim drove and it took about 40 minutes the part of town it was in was swanky for Berlin a residential street more like I'd seen in England the houses were massive we parked in a driveway behind a load of other cars all Mercedes and spot the door was open some people were smoking outside it arriving to a party in the dark dead of night was usually made bright by the sound of bass rumbling from inside but here the light from the front door was the only thing booming I don't know if I was feeling particularly wasted, but the entrance to the house felt like the last light you follow when you're dead. I floated over to it following Joachim. Two big angry looking fuckers smoking outside nodded and winked at him as he walked in. I followed. Inside the hallway was huge, much bigger than expected by the size of the outside. It was gaudy, with white marble floors and mirrors everywhere. I started to get a bad feeling. I wasn't in the right headspace to be venturing into something new. I couldn't open my mouth wide enough to speak, so I just stayed by Joachim as he walked through the house. He went into the kitchen and poured us a drink. Booze was out and ice was in a bucket. Joachim slid the garden door across and I heard 80s electro pop, followed by voices talking and laughing coming from the patio. I follow him. There was a load of middle-aged naked couples in a huge jacuzzi, all drinking whiskey, laughing, and engaging in some heavy petting, all to the sound of Kraftwerk, Bronski Beat, and Yazoo. Jerrykin pulled out the contents of his pockets, and they all cheered. They were all speaking German, so I didn't understand a fucking thing. But it was clear that this was a swingers party, and Jerrykin was providing the party prescriptions they'd ordered. In his hand, he had a translucent sandwich bag with two smaller bags containing a load of blue pills and the other with a shitload of dusty brown crystals. Our arrival clearly sparked a bit of new energy in the party and we were invited to join in. I was already loose as fuck, but another bomb of MDMA took me to another level. Before I knew it, I was in the jacuzzi being sandwiched between a husband and wife. His hands were all over me while I snogged her and felt her huge wet tits on my chest. The next thing I knew, I was upstairs with them. I was the entertainment for them taking turns rubbing me and sucking me off. I was fine with the threesome getting full on. I fucked a couple guys over the years, so went with the flow of it. After a while, the husband wanted to ramp it up, hard. He started to tie himself onto an old wooden throne over by the makeup stand in the corner of the bedroom. His wife began to tug him off while choking him with a belt. She passed me the end of the belt while she saddled up on him. I pulled the belt. Hard. I lost my head then. I gave in to an urge, pushed her off him onto the floor and stuck my foot on his chest, gripping the belt. His head looked like it was going to pop off. The wife screamed, Stop! Stop! I gained back some composure and let go. My blood vessels were out of control. She got up and loosened the belt. I rushed and put my clothes on and ran out of the house. I was still hard in the car when I started crying frantically. Too many thoughts and feelings rushing through my body. They had no idea how close they got to dying. I passed out waiting for Joachim. We didn't talk much on the way back to the city. I later learned that he'd a freak out that night as well. He got into a situation with the two guys outside the entrance from earlier, who, as it turned out, weren't bouncers like we thought, but they were hired in as extra meat for the party. 
Those German swingers were wild. The ship with the belt was another wake-up call that I was flying too close to the sun. I spent the next week on my own before having a gig back in London, another after-party. I managed to calm down a bit with no interruptions, but got nothing productive done. When I got back to London, I slept on the couch at a mate's from uni's house for all the daylight hours. It was good to be back in the UK and see how the normal world behaved away from the relentless techno days in Berlin. It was remarked on that I looked like shit by a couple of people. Even when you know why, it's still not good knowing everyone else is noticing your drug fueled mental breakdown. After a couple more months in Berlin, I faced up to it. The drugs and booze were never going to leave me. I had to remove myself from them. I'd almost lost control at that strange night with the swingers' party and couldn't risk letting my guard down like that again. So I packed up my shit and left. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want to fight the objections. I didn't really give a shit. Most of the people I hung with in Berlin bored me to tears when I sobered up a touch. I decided to have another crack at London. Granted, London's where I picked up all my bad habits, but I had a different outlook this time round. It helped that a lot of my old raving crew had moved on to other things. Hardly any of the uni lot were living in London anymore, but the ones that did stayed living east. I didn't want much contact with people, so I found a warehouse conversion in New Cross where I could set up my studio and live the same way as I did when I was in Berlin. It was a lot more expensive and just as shit, but it worked for me. My main focus was to get sober, or at least find a balance where I didn't have to get completely nailed every time I worked or went out. The only gigs I had that summer were early slots at festivals where I arrived for my set and got out straight away after, so not too tempted to get on it. The rest of the time I was in the studio working on my first album. My studio setup had grown a fair bit, I mostly worked on a modular tier rack I built myself and some old drum machines feeding into Ableton. The music was going places and I'd even started running to get fitter. Being partially sober was showing its results. I could feel the changes in my body and in my head after a couple months. At a couple of the UK festivals I got talking to a promoter who was part of a new club opening in London. The chats were pretty casual and a lot about music so I didn't think too much on it. My agent got in contact with me a little while after and said that I'd been offered a monthly residency. This took a load of stress off me financially, and also a massive opportunity to rebuild my reputation. I had a rep as a caner, which was starting to piss me off now that I'd calmed down a bit. The club was built under some arches in London Bridge, which was perfect for me. It was only 10 minutes in the cab, so I didn't feel obligated to go out with a promoter and get fucked up before the gigs. I could turn up, play, and get off home before temptation kicked too hard. I'd hoped that the residency I could build up a solid following and play longer sets with a more varied style. I was seriously excited. Having a clearer head only made my fantasies of killing people more vivid. More often than not, my dreams were of a woman with dark hair and pale skin. Some nights she was frail and weak. I'd tear her apart easily in a rage. Other times she was muscular and I'd feel her solid strength go weak in my grip as her life drained out of her. In the week before my new residency was due to start, the promoter had a minor freak out about my lack of activity and demanded that I put some music out to give the night a boost. I had one tune completely finished. It was meant to be a two-parter, which I didn't really want to be released on its own, called Sister, so I had to rush to finish Brother over the next 24 hours. I'd never worked to a tighter deadline before. The stress got to me crammed all the little touches of details I'd been planning into the track in one massive long studio session. Once it was finally done, I was completely wired from the stress. 
no way I could switch off or go to sleep. So I decided to go for a run, even though it was 3am. Half an hour into the run, I made it over towards Greenwich. The sky had turned from an orange fog from light pollution to a dark blue as the sun was heading towards my horizon. I felt like turning back, but was drawn to the noise of running water. Near to where I stopped was a canal lock and a woman opening it up so she could get through. To begin with, I just watched the water pour aggressively into the cavity left by the last boat. The woman only properly caught my eye when she called over. It's a little late for a run. She was in her late 30s, black hair and pale. She looked very different to the girls in my dreams, but I still felt an instant connection with her. I called back. A little late for the waterworks. She laughed and waved me over. I held the lock up as she pulled her canal boat into it. When she was through the other side, she chucked me some rope to tie up. We had something going. Smiles and the odd look were exchanged. I was trying to conceal my excitement. The sweat I had from the run was getting worse. And I felt out of breath when she asked me if I wanted some water. And I felt out of breath when she asked me if I wanted some water. I put one foot on the canal and I was aroused to full mast. Inside was a cluttered mess. This definitely wasn't a rental. She'd been gathering old books, vinyls, pots and pans for a while. I crouched in and she laughed as my head knocked the top. She began telling me about herself. Being a night person was useful when avoiding traffic and how she's not had too many visitors in the barge. She began to boil the kettle. When it finished boiling and the tea bags were in the pot, she turned around and reached to get a mug for me. I saw this as my opportunity. I grabbed a skillet pan that was soaking in the sink and swung it at the back of her head, sending her forward into some plates. She piled into them and shards burst into pieces, shredding her hand. She turned and her panicked eyes look at mine in razor-sharp focus, clearly hoping that this was a mistake and that she wasn't being attacked. Her hands raised up and she stumbled towards me. I connected the hefty iron skillet to her chin with a solid backhand. This lifted her onto her back. I took a step down the narrow kitchen, kneeled down with one knee on her chest and pressed both hands down on her throat. Resistance gradually started to build as she came around, but as she started to get some hopeful strength back, it depleted rapidly to the point I could see her sad eyes roll and life fade. I let out a sigh of mixed relief and ecstasy. I stayed with her dead under me for about ten minutes, not moving, just breathing heavily. When I got up, I cleaned myself and wiped down all the surfaces I touched with bleach and then got out of there. The EP dropped a day later. It was my biggest record to date and it contributed to my first night at the residency being a heaving mess of a rave. It was the best party I'd played in London by far and I didn't take a single drug. Things were definitely looking up. Last night, a DJ took my life. The confession of a DJ, producer, serial killer. Find us on Instagram at last night, a DJ took my life. Twitter, last a DJ. Facebook, last night a DJ took my life. And help fund this podcast 
by donating on patreon.com forward slash last night a DJ took my life. Title music by Synchro. Mm-hmm.